Good morning, everybody. Here we go. <laughs> the preacher shouldn't be late to church. All right, there we go. All right. Hallelujah. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the house of the Lord today. Who is glad to be at church this morning? Amen. Who's enjoying that little breeze? It's a calm little breeze we're having. The people in Newberry especially love it. They love the breeze. Amen. So no, it's going to be a great day together. Uh, you made a wonderful decision to brave the elements and be in the house of the Lord today. God is going to speak to you and your life is going to be changed. Who believes that today? Amen. All right. Well, let's stand up together. Hallelujah. We are going to open up by speaking some words of faith over the United States of America because we believe that our nation is coming to Jesus. Amen. Let's go ahead and we will speak these words of faith together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Give the Lord some praise today. Yes. Amen. Well, we're going to do a little meet and greet time. So go find somebody. Give them a high five, handshake, fist bump, great big hug. Make sure everybody gets a little love today. Let's go. We're rising up from the ashes. No longer bound by chains You gave your life for freedom We're coming out of the shadows Your glory tore through the veil And now your light shines upon us Cause we are free, we are yours To God be the glory now and forever sings my soul To God be the glory now and forever sings my soul We have been washed in the river You turn our sorrow to joy And now we're singing your praises Cause we are free, we are yours To God be the glory now and forever Sings my soul To God be the glory now and forever Sings my soul you can be the glory now and forever sings my soul. You can be the glory now and forever sings my soul. We have been washed in the river. 
And you turn our sorrow to joy And now we're singing your praises Cause we are free, we are yours To God be the glory now and forever Sings my soul To God be the glory now and forever Sings my soul To God be the glory now and forever Sings my soul to God be the glory now and forever sings my soul. All of creation lift up His name. To God be the glory. All of creation lift up His name. To God be the glory. All of creation lift up His name. To God be the glory. All of creation lift up His name. To God be the glory. Glory now and forever sings my soul. To God be the glory now and forever sings my soul. To God be the glory now and forever sings my soul. To God be the glory now and forever sings my soul. awesome time together in the house of the Lord. One thing we're going to do this morning, though, is we're going to get into some announcements in just a minute, but I have some bittersweet news, a little bit. I need Chris Chi to come on up. Come on, brother. This is Chris, and you know Melissa. Hey, so... Uh, Chris is in the army, and he has, yeah, amen. So Chris, you, I'm going to come down. We're going to pray for you, brother, this morning. Uh, Chris is going to be heading out to Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri tomorrow. And he's received a promotion and everything. And so uh, we love these guys. He'll be gone for a couple of months. And then uh, he'll find out if he's going to be stationed somewhere else or if they'll get to stay at Fort Irwin. Very selfishly, I'm on my knees saying, God, let them stay at Fort Irwin. Yeah. But, <laughs> but I don't know. I don't, or, yeah, maybe. Okay, 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 maybe. Okay. He's like, I can't take a couple more years of these people. No, it's good. So, no, we're going to pray for these guys. They're a wonderful part of our church family for the past several years. And uh, and so they just mean the world to us. So here's Leilani. She's going to come up too. So we'll take that. But let's go ahead, guys. And we're going to pray over Chris as he heads out tomorrow. And we'll see what the what the Lord has next. And here's Zion. So, amen. But can we, uh, let's stand up together and surround them with our faith this morning. Amen. Hallelujah. 
Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we thank you for Chris and Melissa and the kids, Lord, and, and just what a blessing they are to this church, Lord, but to this community as well. And they are a bright light uh, in a dark world, Lord. You said that we are the light of the world, and that's that's true with this family. And so we pray uh, right now specifically over Chris as he's heading out uh, to this next level of training, Lord. Uh, we know that you're with him. You said you'd never leave us or forsake us, but I thank you, Lord, that he is excelling at everything he does. He has the mind of Christ, and Lord, that he is just always rising to the top in every situation. Your hand is upon him in Jesus' name. And Lord, for Melissa being here with the kids for the next little bit, I thank you that she's got the strength that she needs, Lord, in Jesus' name. May their household be blessed uh, with everything that they need, Lord. And I thank you that they're making it through this season here, and the future is bright for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Love you guys so much. All right. Very good. Okay. Well, we're going to get into some announcements this morning. Uh, there's plenty going on because Easter is coming up very, very soon. Um, but I've got some good news. Who likes good news? Amen. Well, that's all I've got. I don't have any bad news. Amen. We preach the gospel, so it's all good news. But this is really good news. It's that the chairs have been ordered and they're on the way, everybody. Yay. So. So they're coming from Ohio, so that's apparently a long drive. It's going to take a little while, but they'll be here within the next two weeks, and we will have a whole lot more, uh, 100 uh, new chairs uh, to fill up, and we're excited about that. So thank you, everybody, that helped make that happen. The harvest is great. Can I get an amen today? Amen. All right. So uh, for, for those of you that don't know, uh, we're still working on getting our Midtown uh, location open. We're very, very close this close to this happening. Uh, but in the meantime, the uh, enriched food pantry is in full swing over there. And so what we have here is these are called blessing bags. This is a bag lunch that you could give to somebody this afternoon. You're going to go out to lunch somewhere probably, or even if you're not, but who knows that you don't have to look very far to find somebody in Barstow that's in need. And so last week we had four of these and gave them out instantly. So this week we've got six bags. They told me to give them out during announcements. If you could give a blessing bag out to somebody in need today, raise your hand. Sheldon really wants one. This <laughs> Make sure Sheldon gets one, okay? All right. Raise your hand real quick. Amen. I'm going to let the ushers distribute those. Keep your hand up. And here's, this is a way that you could bless somebody and share the gospel with them when you do it. Amen. All right. Well, let's get into the rest of our announcements. Uh, this Friday is the women's meeting for all you ladies out there okay yeah and so this is going to be at 6 30 on friday mrs pastor is teaching on uh bathsheba right and okay and Abigail, all right, so she's going to be teaching on women from the Bible, and so be there Friday, 6.30, all the ladies, it's going to be great, and also, this isn't on the screen, but the new teen uh, Bible study, the new teenage lift group is going to be, yeah, all right, it's here for the teens, amen. They are meeting on Tuesday night from 6.30 to 7.30. So, again, regular youth group is on Wednesday nights. But uh, the teenagers, they're like, hey, we want to study the Bible a little bit extra, too. So they're doing their own Bible study. Um, it's, it's led by some of the youth leaders. But Tuesday night, 6.30 to 7.30, okay? And then here's the big one, all the excitement. Church work day is coming up, everybody. Yeah. 
calm down, calm down. I know everybody's been sitting around saying, man, I just wish I could do a little extra cleaning the church or painting or something. And we're like, fine. All right, fine. I mean, there's not very much of the needs done around here, but we'll just come up with something. So we've come up with a whole list. All right. So this Saturday from 8 a.m. to noon is church work day. And guess what? Y'all are invited. This is a very special day. Yeah. Amen. Who thinks that they're going to come and do a little something for God that day? Okay. Hey, all right. Well, we're going to need a few more of you, but praise God. Uh, so that's going to be Saturday from 8 a.m. to noon. Uh, word on the street is that there will be food there. So I heard that from a very reliable source. Okay. Uh, so uh, anyway, just keep that in mind that there there will be probably some food there for you. And uh, we're sprucing up. We're doing some spring cleaning, getting ready for Easter. All right. And then uh, here's a very big one. All right. It's family art night, everybody. Family art night. Yeah. And, and, and I always tell this story because a couple years ago when Lawrence and Leah wanted to do a family art night, I was like, I'm going to be honest, guys. I don't see this being like that popular of an event. Uh, maybe because I'm not personally artistic, but I showed up and there was like hundreds of people painting things. And I'm okay, fine. I will admit when I was wrong, I was totally wrong on that. So this is the third annual Lift Family Art Night, Monday, March 11th at 6.30, next door in Victory Hall, right back there. All you got to do is bring your own canvas. You can get it at Dollar Tree, the 99 cent store. The church is going to have the paint and the supplies, but we just get together and we have a really good time painting things, even if you aren't a very good painter. It's okay. Neither am I, but I still come and it's really fun. So that's going to be on uh, the 11th. All right. And then here's a really big one. Pastor Gerald Brooks is going to be here in two weeks, everybody. Amen. He pastors a, a wonderful church in Plano, Texas, the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and he is uh, he's one of the biggest mentors in my life, uh, but we have the very, very distinct privilege of having him come into High Desert Word Center. He is one of the most probably in-demand leadership speakers in the United States, and he has hundreds of invitations, uh, but his son called and said he wants to come to Barstow. He sees really good things happening there, and I said, okay. Okay, it's going to happen. You name the date and he can be here. So they're coming on March 17th. Don't miss that. It's going to be absolutely incredible. All right. And then the last announcements are for Easter. All right. Easter is just a few weeks away. It is the last Sunday of March this year. And so we've got a very busy weekend that week. We're doing a Good Friday service for the first time ever. Uh, it's going to be at 7 p.m. on Good Friday. And uh, we're doing uh, the Easter play will take place that night. And then um, on Sunday, we have the 10 a.m. service. Who's going to be here? Amen. It's a good day. Uh, And so uh, 10 a.m. And we're going to be, I believe we're doing the play that day also. And of course, the children are doing their musical performance. Uh, We, we need candy. All right. We have, we needed 4,000 eggs. We've surpassed that. I think we probably got like 4,500 eggs. So this is really good news, but we need candy. Somebody say candy. All right. And here's the deal. Uh, Because of the wonderful desert sun, even in the month of March, if we put chocolate in the eggs, it usually melts. So we need hard candy or gummy candy. Now, if you're intent on bringing chocolate, you can deliver it straight to me and I will take care of the chocolate. Okay. (laughs) 
Whatever happens from there, is, it doesn't matter, okay? I'll, I'll take all the chocolate you want to bring, and that's fine. Uh, but for the eggs, we need hard candy and gummy candy. And then we've got some invitations that are being printed out. And then your next job after that is to invite people to hear the gospel. Who thinks they can invite somebody to church on Easter Sunday? Listen. This is the easiest Sunday of the year to get somebody to come to church, all right? And so if you've got somebody, you're like, man, I want them to come with me. I want them to hear the gospel. This is you, your golden opportunity right here, all right? All you do, bring them in. We'll preach the gospel, and Jesus is going to reach their heart. Does somebody believe that today? Hallelujah. It's going to be absolutely awesome. All right. I think that's all of the announcements I have. They bombarded me with a bunch. So here's this. If you are with us today for the first time or maybe the first time in a long time, we would like to welcome you today. We have a welcome gift uh, and a gift card to Dutch Brothers for you. If you could slip your hand up real quick, our welcome team is going to come and uh, give you a gift. All right, we got some first timers over here. Amen. Let's make them feel welcome today, everybody. All right. Very good. There may be more out there. I can't see. But uh, if you, there's an info card in there. If you fill that out, turn it into the info booth. We have a gift for you at the end of the service today. Praise God. All right. Well, who knows what time it is now, everybody? Yes. Amen. It's happy time. And you're like, well, what's happy time? Well, the Bible tells us that God loves a cheerful giver. And so we get a little bit excited when we have a chance to give in the offering. So uh, Mrs. Pastor, or I like to call her mom, she gave birth to me. Uh, she's going to give the, do the offering today. If you need an envelope, raise your hand and the ushers will get one to you. Amen. Hallelujah. Right. Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Oh, you look so good today. You look like you're awake and, and alert and ready to go, right, man? You're ready to hear the gospel, good stuff. All right, all right. Well, the verse for today is Proverbs uh, 10, 22. Now, you need to get a hold of this. As I said the other day, there's like 2,000, which is a lot, of scriptures in the Bible on finances alone. So, you know, money's important to you, right? I mean, you know, it's really important, especially when you get low, you know, it's, it becomes yeah. super important. So if money's important to you, it's super important to the Lord, okay? He cares about you. Psalms 23, 1 says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Well, how many of you have been, sometimes in life you've been in want, you've been in need, but that's not God's plan for you, okay? So it says right here in, in Proverbs 10, 22, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. So sometimes out, out in our society, people will try to make ways to make themselves rich in wrong ways, like selling drugs or something, thinking that they can make a lot of money selling drugs. No, that won't work. And, and getting things the wrong way in life won't stealing you know, things like that. That's not God's way how he does it. It says that the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and he adds no sorrow with it. And so when the Lord blesses you, there's no guilt involved. There's no shame involved. It's just that he is the blesser. And that's what he loves to do is bless his people. So remember that. Don't get involved in any of these stupid get rich schemes. You know, forget that stuff. You know, be a tither, be a giver, do 
do do your money God's way. It, it's the opposite of the church way. Okay, I mean, I mean the world way. So so do your money God's way, and I tell you, I promise you, He's going to make you prosper. Okay, you got that? All right. Well, let's stand up and say our financial faith confession. All right. As we bring the Lord's tithes and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all my financial needs so that I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously in the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. He's worthy, isn't he? 
life and to give us life more abundantly and we thank you for that today all of our lives you've been faithful hallelujah is there anybody in here that you could say all of my life no matter what god's been faithful amen god's been faithful Hallelujah. Even when people let us down, Jesus never let us down. Even when circumstances or whatever let us down, Jesus has never let us down. He is so faithful. And as we're uh, singing that song there, you know, I'm thinking of the very last part of, of the 23rd Psalm. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And so you got to know that today. That's a promise from God. His goodness and his mercy is chasing after you, man. It follows you all the days of your life. You are a child of God. You are a son. You are a daughter of God Almighty. That ought to make somebody a little excited today. Amen. God is good to us, hallelujah, and he wants to speak to us today, and so let's just go to him in prayer, and then we'll let you go to your seats. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we love you so much, and we thank you that you are nothing but good to us, Lord, and and we can boldly say, as we already have today, that you are faithful, and Lord, I pray that as we enter into the word of God today, as we open our Bibles, that we know you're going to speak to us because your word is alive. 
It is powerful. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. And we thank you, Lord, that you are changing our lives today because we want to be better. We want to get better. We don't want to stay the same. We want to be everything that you've called us to be. We want to do everything that you've called us to do. We love you and we praise you in the mighty name of Jesus. Can somebody say amen today? Hallelujah. Give him some praise. You can make your way to your seats this morning. Praise the Lord. Why don't you give somebody a nice fist bump on your way there and say, I am glad you came to church today. Tell them they look like they need it. Oh, wait, no, don't do that. Don't do that. Okay. I'm always trying to stir a little bit of something up. Okay. <laughs> all right. Praise God. We all look like we need it because we do. Praise the Lord. Well, we're going to be getting into the Word of God today. Who's excited when you get a chance to open up your Bible? Amen. Yeah. We get a chance to study God's holy word together. It's one of my favorite things of the entire week. And so tonight we're going to be on part nine of our 2024 series. And do you know what we've been talking about in here? Somebody tell me. The harvest, yeah. The harvest is great. And this is the ninth part of that this week. And so if you need an outline for the message, raise your hand. The ushers will get one to you. And you can follow along with the sermon here and take some notes and whatnot. But our theme verse for 2024 is Luke 10 and verse 2. Has anybody memorizing this thing yet? You've had nine weeks, and so, I mean, listen, we, we can do this. Luke 10 to, <laughs> Luke 10 to, and it tells us this. Let's say it together. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. Let me ask you a question. Who's willing to do a little bit of work for Jesus? Yeah, come on, yeah. Not so you can earn his love. It's not working to earn his love or working to buy yourself a seat in heaven. We're not talking about that. That's the grace of God. But what we're talking about is, you know that God has been super good to you. He has blessed you. He has delivered you. He has healed you. He has set you free. And because of how good he's been to you, it makes you want to do something for him, Right? Have you ever had somebody just do something really nice for you, really good, and you're like, you know what, I want to do something for them. I want to bless them. Well, we know this much. Nobody has done more for you than what Jesus did for you. Do you know that today? He has provided healing. He has provided peace for your heart and your mind. He has provided the joy of the Lord to be your strength. And we, of course, know that he has paid the price for your sins, the price that we should have paid he paid. I could never pay him back for that, but it does compel me on the inside to want to do something for him, right? And so a verse that's been on my heart, it's actually was our theme verse in 2021 for the church. And it's my personal verse for my life in 2024. It's Isaiah 50 and verse seven. So I want to talk about this today. Let's open up to Isaiah 50 and verse seven. Anyone excited for the word today? Amen. You know what this place is called, right? 
High Desert Word Center. Yeah, so we get a little excited when we get a chance to study God's word together. So Isaiah 50, and we're going to look at verse 7. And this verse, it just fires me up, man. It motivates me uh, to serve Jesus and to give him my absolute best. Who wants to give Jesus the best part of who you are? I mean, seriously, I, I don't want him to get my leftovers after everybody else has gotten a piece of me and after everybody else, you know, I, and say, like, Jesus, I got five minutes today. It's the best I got. All right. It's what's left over. I'll give you those five minutes, you know, so here you go. I don't want to, I don't want to love him like that. I want Jesus to get the best of me. I want to give him my best because he deserves it. Isaiah 50 and verse 7, and you ought to highlight this verse if you haven't yet. I would recommend you write cute little stars around it, underline it, make this verse stick out in your Bible because you need to know this. Isaiah 50 and verse 7, it says, because the sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a stone determined to do his will. And I know that I will not be put to shame. That does something, man. That lights a fire on the inside of me. Because sometimes we're like, I want to serve God, but I'm no one. My family's not supporting me. These people at work are making fun of me. Check it out. The Lord is helping you. You will not be disgraced. Do what he said to do. Amen. And, and I love it. He says, I have set my face like a stone. Who in here could admit that you occasionally struggle with being distracted? I can't be the only one. All right. Dude, I got some issues with this. I sometimes like my heart is well and I, I've got very well intentions. But if I don't set my face like a stone and have something I'm aiming at, nearly anything. I, I could have a huge important to-do list and a bird could fly by my window and I'm like, oh, wow, the birds are singing. Oh. And I just get caught up, you know, and, and, you know, somebody could come by and, hey, what do you think about this? And, and it's very easy for me to get distracted. And so I, it takes some effort on my part to stay focused. So what do I have to do? I have to write a to-do list every day. In fact, I think I've got, yeah, here's my to-do list for today. It's ironically in my pocket right now. And so if this isn't written down, none of these things on here will get done. But what will get done is I'll spend time on Wikipedia studying, you know, the ancient whatever ruins and I'll, and just stupid things like that. And so it's very important that we can take a verse like this and be a doer of it, all right? Listen, I have set my face like a stone, determined to do his will. Who's determined to do his will and not your own will? Okay, now let's be honest. Okay, let's be real. Because we all have our own will. Do you know this? And everybody's motivated to do what's within their will. If it's within your will to do a certain thing, you'll set your face like stone to do it. And you'll get it done if that's what is your will. But I'm not talking about your will and what your plans are. We're talking about him today because the harvest is great. And I don't have time to waste chasing stupid things anymore. The time is very, very short. And so my face has 
has to be set like a stone, determined to do his will. And you're like, yeah, well, what if I step up to the plate and take a swing and I miss? Listen, I know that I will not be put to shame. I'm not going to be put to shame. If I'm doing this for the Lord, I would at least rather step up to the plate and take a swing and, and miss than to sit on the bench and never even get in the game. There's plenty of people all over the place, right? This is America. We like football. We sit on the couch and we tell the $70 million quarterback how to do his job. And we know better, right? We, we know better than he does. And that's why he's in there and we're on the couch eating Doritos. Listen, listen, you, stop that. Stop that. Get off of the couch. Get off of the bench. Get into the game. You aren't allowed to have an opinion if you don't even step up to the plate. Does that mean? Is that mean to say? Listen, because people will come in, you know, and, and I don't care. It, it seriously doesn't bother me. But people are like, hey, I'll tell you what, here's how you ought to run that church, man. And they don't even go to a church themselves. Like, why would I, why would I listen to you? That's like me giving advice to you on how to be a mechanic. You don't want me to tell you how to fix your car. I only know how to drive one, okay? Listen, you don't want me telling you how to do that. I'm not qualified. I'm not qualified. I can change oil and blinker fluid. That's all I got, guys. That's all I can do. Right? <laughs> all right, I'm, I'm joking. But, but seriously, listen to me. Get off of the bench and get into the game, man. Do something for God this year. Be somebody. Do something. And God will not let you be put to shame. Amen. He will back you up. And so I absolutely love this verse. It has changed my life. But listen, if there's one thing you need to know about bringing in the harvest for Jesus, it's that you have to have some convictions and some backbone. Why? Why do you have to have, well, I thought if I served Jesus, everybody would love me and the devil would leave me alone. And then I could live on easy street. And it was just rainbows and ponies and roses for the next 50 years until I go to heaven. I would love it if it was that way, but listen to me. The minute that you decide to take your faith seriously and actually be somebody for the Lord, there's going to be some pushback from the devil. He likes you being a lukewarm Christian. He likes you being unproductive. He would love for you to just stay there and never do anything. He's going to give you some pushback. You're going to get some pushback from the people of this world. Go into work and pray over your lunch for real this week and watch somebody snicker at you and give you a little. Here's where you're going to find out. If you can't take somebody laughing at you for praying over your lunch, it's going to take a little more backbone than that. I'm just going to tell you that right now. You're also going to get some uh, heat from lukewarm Christians, because on fire for God Christians rub lukewarm Christians the, the wrong way. They're going to say things about it, like, calm down, oh my gosh, you really, seriously? Or, or religious Christians, and you're like, wait, I thought you guys were religious Christians. We're not religious Christians here. We're relationship Christians, amen? We got a relationship with God. This isn't some religion where I'm walking over glass shards and cutting myself to get my God to love me. My God came to this earth and nailed himself to a cross and died for me, right? He, he sacrificed his body for me. Now, I would sacrifice everything for the Lord, but listen, this isn't a religion that we do. This is a relationship with Jesus Christ, and it's a very real thing to us. And so the minute that you really 
take your faith seriously and become a doer of the word, you will rub some people the wrong way and you will rub the devil the wrong way. There will be some pushback. And here's what I'm telling you today. Do you have the guts? Do you have the backbone to stand up and say, no, I do believe this. And my face is set like a stone determined to do the will of God because I would rather let you down than let God down. Until you're at that place, you're probably not ready to actually do something for God. And that's just the, the truth of the matter. And so we're going to talk about three things today. I want you to get this. If you're going to set your face like a stone, number one, I've got no shame. Number one, no shame. There's no shame. And, and so one thing that the modern, secular, anti-Christian world wants to do, they want to make you feel shamed for believing what you believe. Have you noticed that yet? They want you to they want to make you feel silly and shamed for believing what you believe. They want you to feel stupid for believing that God created the earth. And I'm going to tell you right now, I believe that God Almighty created the heavens and the earth. I believe that God created human beings in his own image. I do not believe that I descended from an ape. And you can believe that if you want. I don't care. But I don't believe that. I believe the Bible that God created people in his own image with a spirit, soul, and body. Amen. God created us like this. And so I didn't I don't believe that I morphed from something that crawled up on the beach 67 billion years ago and turned into a human being. I don't, I guess, I, listen, I, I don't have enough faith to believe in the scientific impossibility that nothing created everything. That takes a lot of faith to believe something like that. It, it's so much easier for me to believe that God created the heavens and the earth. Every building is proof of a builder. Every painting is proof of a painter. And all of creation is proof of a creator. There is a real God. Amen. And I want you to see something. Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. I'm talking about there is no shame in my game. Amen. No shame. Romans 1 and verse 16. I don't feel stupid for believing that Jesus still heals people. Do you believe that today? That Jesus is still the healer? You better believe it. <laughs> you better believe that, man. Jesus is is the healer. If I get sick, I'm believing Jesus to heal me. Hallelujah. When I was three, I got diagnosed with leukemia. I got sent to the children's hospital. I lost the ability to walk. I was nearly dead and Jesus healed me. I'm telling you that. You cannot convince me any other way that Jesus is not the healer. But this world, they want to make you feel stupid for believing stuff like that. Romans 1, 16, this is, uh, this is the Apostle Paul's attitude, and we're going to read plenty from him today. Romans 1 and, and verse 16, and this needs to be the attitude of every Christian. For I am not ashamed of this good news, of the gospel about Jesus Christ. It is the power of God at work saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. Who in here, you are not 
ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? You're not ashamed. You actually believe this stuff because it saved you. It saved you. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You cannot embarrass me for believing what I believe. Someone can say, you actually believe that stuff? I believe it with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my mind and my strength. This has saved my life. It has been there for me when nobody else was. I love Jesus, and there's nothing you can do or say to convince me otherwise. He is real, and I don't care if the smartest people in the world say, well, blah, 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 blah. I heard a story. There was a minister, a Boy Scout, and a scientist. They were the only passengers on a small airplane, and the pilot came back to the cabin and explained that the airplane was going down, and the bad news is that there's only three parachutes but four people on the plane, so somebody's the odd man out. Uh, The pilot said, okay, I should have one of these parachutes. I've got a wife and three small children, so he took one and he instantly jumped out first. Then the scientist jumped up right away after that, wasting no time and said, I should have one of these parachutes because I'm basically the smartest man in the world. Everybody needs me because I'm so smart. So he took one and he jumped out. Well, then the pastor turned to the Boy Scout and with a sad smile said, you're young. I've lived a very rich and satisfying life. You take the last parachute. I'll just go down with the plane. Then the Boy Scout said, Relax, Reverend, it's okay. The smartest man in the world just picked up my backpack and jumped out of the plane. We both got a parachute left. There's one for all of us, amen? Yeah, hallelujah. And so sometimes the smartest and the brightest that want to shame you, they really aren't all that they seem to be, amen? I want you to look at something, Romans, excuse me, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, we're going to read something today because I'm talking about No shame. Can you say no shame? Amen. There is no shame. I am not ashamed about the gospel. No, there's other things I'm probably embarrassed about. I've done stupid things in my life. (laughs) Yeah, but listen, no shame when it comes to the gospel. So 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and we're going to look at verses 18 through 29. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And we're going to look at verses 18 through 29. And this, again, the Apostle Paul speaking. I'm going to read these verses because you need to hear this today. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 through 29. He says, The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. And so you know this, that you've got some people in your life, they hear the gospel, they hear the message of the cross, and they're like, man, you believe that? That's foolish. That's stupid. And they want to look down on you. But Paul says, we who are being saved know that it's the very power of God. Do you know that today? That this is the power of God right here. And so as the scriptures say, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. So where does this leave the philosophers, the scholars, and the world's brilliant debaters? God made the wisdom of this world look foolish. Do you know that for thousands of years, the smartest people of this world thought that the earth was flat? 
<laughs> and, and they could, listen, and the Bible even says in the book of Isaiah that God sits above the circle of the earth. The Bible said that the earth, but the brilliant people said, no, it's flat. If you sail to the end, you'll probably just fall right off the edge. And everyone's like, well, they're the smart ones. We better trust what they say. I have found that sometimes those that want to make fun of you and seem like they're just the brilliant ones, sometimes the Bible ends up proving them wrong in the end anyway. Just some food for thought. You could take that and do with it what you want. Verse 21, since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom. He has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. What does this mean? You don't get to God through your mind because you'll never understand God. You got to get to him with your heart because you got to believe Without seeing, you don't contact God through your intellect. You contact him with your faith through your heart. He is beyond your understanding. And this is what trips a whole lot of people up. Verse 22, it's foolish to the Jews who ask for signs from heaven. And it's foolish to the Greeks who seek human wisdom. So when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended and the Gentiles say it's all nonsense. But to those called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. This foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans. And God's weakness is stronger than the greatness, than the greatest of human strength. Do you know this today? Amen. That God's plan it's beyond anything in this world. Verse 26, remember, dear brothers and sisters, that very few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Here it is. Instead, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. Hallelujah. Well, what does all this mean? I love this. It says that God is going to use things. God is going to use people that the world considers they're not important people. And that's one thing that I love about High Desert Word Center. And I'm just being, none of us came from the royal family, did we? All right, just, just get it. I didn't, I wasn't born with a silver spoon in my mouth. I didn't come from the royal family. This church is full of people that just love Jesus. Amen. Amen. People that say, hey, I, listen, <laughs> I love the Lord. I just want to be used by him. That's all I've got. And that's exactly what God is looking for. We're people that maybe the rest of the world said, oh, they're whatever, man. They're nothings. And those are the very people that God uses to shame those who think that they've got it all together and think that they are so wise. Let me tell you this right now. God always gets the last laugh. Always. I, and, and sometimes that's really sad, but it's the truth of the matter. God gets the last word and God gets the last laugh. 
God will not be mocked. Galatians 6 tells us that God will not be mocked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. You set your face like a stone. Even if people are saying, man, now you go to that church, you're crazy. <laughs> you know, they're making fun of you. They're trying to give you the business of whatever, man. I've got no shame in what I believe. My face is set like a stone. I'm following Jesus. Whether you're on board or not, I'm following Jesus. There's no shame. Number two, I've got no regrets. No regrets. I don't want to get to heaven or be at the end of my life and say, oh man, I wish I would have taken God more seriously. I regret that the Lord told me to do this and I just, I never did it. I don't want any regrets when I breathe my last breath. Do you understand what I'm saying this morning? Listen, I don't care if I can die and say, well, I never died a billionaire like I wanted to. I never became famous. I never had a Lamborghini. I never had this. I never had that. Like, I'm fine. Why? Because I can't take those things with me anyway, right? There's the old saying, you've never seen a U-Haul following the hearse to the grave, have you? It all stays behind. <laughs> You're not taking it with you. And so, whatever. There's things that I want in life. Sure, there's plenty of things that I'd like to get in this world. But I'm fine if I die without those things. I am not okay if I die and get to heaven. And he's like, man, what in the world? I, I asked you to do this for me. Why couldn't you do it? Or nearly worse than that, him say, wait a minute, you said that you would do this for me, and then you never did it. You put your hand to the plow, and then you looked back. Why would you do that to me? We kind of talked about this on Wednesday night if you were here, but listen, I want to be a man of my word to everybody. I really want to be a man of my word to God. If I say I'm going to do it, I want to do it. I don't want to make a promise to God and then back out and say, well, I was going to, and then people made fun of me. You saw what they said on Facebook. What would you have done? He's like, well, I kind of got nailed to a cross, so <laughs> yeah, I, I probably would have pushed through that a little bit. No, listen to me. No regrets. Somebody say, no regrets. I heard a story from, from Brother Hagen about a man named George Nash. He was the governor of Ohio in the 1880s. And so this is a really strange story. But a young man had been arrested for murder and sentenced to death. And tons of people were petitioning for his sentence to be reduced to life in prison. Well, finally, the boy's mom met with the governor in person and she begged him, could you at least meet with him in person and see if you feel like giving him a second chance? See if you feel like he deserves a second chance. And so the governor surprisingly decided to give it a shot. But instead of dressing in his normal suit and tie, he dressed up like a preacher. Back then, the preachers wore a hat and had the white collar and all that stuff. And so, uh, and so th this young man didn't know what the governor looked like. There wasn't TV and he hadn't seen you know, pictures or anything like that. And so as the guard was leading the governor down the hall to potentially give this guilty kid a second chance, the kid says, oh, great, here comes a preacher. The governor said, well, hold on, young man, I've come to help you. The kid said, go away, I don't need anything from you. 
The governor said, no, I want to help you. Your mom sent me. The kid said, I'm not interested, just leave. Finally, Governor Nash said, if you will let me explain who I am, I think you'll see that I can help you. The kid yelled, let the governor one more time, leave, there's the door. And so the governor got up and he left. The guard came back down the hall and asked, hey kid, so what did Governor Nash have to say? The kid's eyes got as big as, you know, as dinner plates. That was the governor. Oh my gosh, he wanted to help me, but I wouldn't let him. And that's all this kid could repeat for the next several weeks. He wanted to help me, but I wouldn't let him. He wanted to help me, but I wouldn't let him. And finally, uh, the young man received the penalty that he was sentenced to. And his last words were, he wanted to help me, but I wouldn't let him. What happened? This kid died with regret. And that sounds like such an extreme story right there. And that is a very extreme story. But listen to me. I don't want to die with any regrets. God is showing up in your lives right now. He wants to help you. And you're like, yeah, but I prayed for this to happen. I prayed that he would just dump a million dollars out of the sky. And, and listen, God's maybe giving you some opportunities to take some steps of faith in another direction. So he can really open up the door for his blessings in your life. Yeah, I was asking for him to, to do this for me. And God's saying, hey, listen, I'm giving you this chance to go speak to these people about me. I'm giving you this chance to go show some love to this hurting person. And like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, I need some money. He wanted to help me, but I wouldn't let him. He wanted to help me. God's trying to give to you right now. And it may not be the way in which you saw it, because sometimes God delivers his help in a different package than what you imagined. Uh, but either way, we know that he always comes through. God always delivers. He's better than the USPS. He always delivers. Amen? But you're like, well, I, the package I envisioned had a red bow on it, and it was wrapped in gold and blah, 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 blah. And here God is, he's showing up. He's showing up. But you got to have your eyes open, man. No regrets. I, my face is set like a stone determined to do his will. Say it again with me. No regrets. No regrets, man. Second Timothy chapter four. I want to see this. Second Timothy chapter four. Second Timothy is a very important book because it's the last letter that the apostle Paul wrote. At least the last one that we have. 2 Timothy chapter 4, and he says some very important words. These are some of the last words that we have from him, but I love how he was able to write this at the end of his life. So 2 Timothy chapter 4, and we're going to look at verses 6 through 8. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. Now, this is the same guy that we read earlier. He said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you read repeatedly, man, he is very hardcore in his beliefs. He sticks to what he believes in, even when his life is on the line. And so eventually, yeah, it caught up with him. And so he's sentenced to death and the, the Roman government, they, they, they beheaded him. And around 65 AD, they went through with it and they beheaded him. And this is one of the last things that he wrote. And so you'd think that 
somebody at the end of their life, you know, what, what, would they, what is it they'd be writing? Like, man, I wish I had just focused on me. I wish I had just done some more for me. I helped everybody in the Roman Empire out. I preached everywhere. I, I prayed for people. I did this, but I didn't do me. And now I'm very, very sad and I regret this. But I love what he wrote here. 2 Timothy 4, verses 6 through 8. He says, as for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. He's not saying I lost my life in the end. He's like, I gave it as an offering. The time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have remained faithful. Man, when I die, just go ahead and put that on my tombstone right there. That's what I want, right? That you heard it here first. Amen. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have remained faithful. That should be the goal of every Christian right there to say, hey, I remain faithful. I remain faithful. Verse 8, and now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. What a beautiful way to end your life. What a beautiful thing to be able to say towards the end of your life. You say, hey, I remain faithful. The prize awaits me. There is a crown of righteousness in heaven that I'm going to get. I'd rather have a crown of righteousness in heaven than a crown full of diamonds and gold and jewelry here on earth. It's going to burn away any day when this whole place goes down by fire. Amen. And so I'm good with receiving my reward in heaven someday. I want to please Jesus. I want no shame. I want no regrets. I want to die like that someday. And I sincerely believe that we are the generation that's going to see Jesus come back to this earth. You know, in the book of Acts, they got to see him go up into the sky and some angels appeared and said, hey, men of Galilee, what you standing here staring in the sky for? This same Jesus is going to come back the same way that he left. Jesus is coming back someday. Does somebody in this church believe that? He's coming back. He's coming back someday. And when you actually get this reality in your heart, it compels you to want to do something for him. It compels you to want to tell somebody the good news about Jesus. And some people say, yeah, man, this is the worst of times. Well, I'm thinking, hey, this is the best of times. It depends on your outlook. In the famous book, A Tale of Two Cities, who had to read that in their junior year of high school? All right, well, anyway, it's a wonderful piece of literature if you've got a lot of time on your hands. But anyway, Charles Dickens says, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom, it was the age of foolishness. It was the season of light, it was the season of darkness, it was the spring of hope, 
It was the winter of despair. And I'm like, that kind of describes our world right now, depending on who you talk to. I could even go through this room and say, hey, is it the best of times? No, it's the worst of times. I could go over here. Hey, is this the worst of times? No, it's the best of times. Hey, is this the season of hope? No, it's the season of despair. You know, listen, listen. For a lot of people in this world, this is a scary time to live in. You know, just a few months ago, we went through all this. We saw Israel get attacked, and they're still going through this. You know, what was it, 18 months before that? We see Russia invading countries and all this, and, and some people are like, wow, I didn't see that one coming, golly. And the rest of us that have read the Bible are like, it, uh, it exactly said that. <laughs> Gog will invade, and, and in Israel, I mean, it was all written out thousands of years ago. This is literally no surprise to a lot of us. Uh, but at the same time, it has caught a lot of people off guard. And here's what happens. Every time some catastrophic world event takes place, people freak out, get scared, rush into church, rush to the Bible, you know, ah, what are we going to do? And then things, they, they get used to it. Things seem to calm down and people go back to, you know, whatever it was they were doing. And mark my words, there will be another major catastrophic event happening probably sometime in the next few months. People will freak out. People will run to church. People will, ah, and then things may calm down again. And then people go back to being lukewarm. And then another one, why? It's this end time cycle, right? It's this cycle. And I love what, what Jesus said in Luke, I think it's 21, where he said, hey, when the Son of Man returns, do not let him find you sleeping. Well, guess what? There's a lot of Christians, they are asleep right now. <laughs> They're asleep right now. And we're like, wake up, man. The harvest is great. Let's get out there to the field and do some work. I don't want to go to the field. I want to sit in the office. Listen, for all of us, this ain't an office job. We're out there working and bringing in the harvest. Why? The harvest is great, but there's not enough workers doing the job. Why? Because it's work. And a lot of people, they don't want to work. <laughs> hey, we got saved. God delivered my family. God restored my marriage. God healed my body. I'm good. Well, good for you. Now you're in good enough shape to go out there and help somebody else. Amen? That should be the outlook. When your focus is only inward, it's a very miserable life. I wish somebody would hear that today. That when you only focus on you and what you need and what you want, listen, there's nothing wrong with getting what you need and what you want, but if that's all you care about, that is a miserable life. We're called to something greater than that. Do you hear that today? That you're called to something more than just you? You're called to help somebody else out? Just put this verse on the screen, Isaiah chapter 61 and 2 in the New King James. It says this, Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people, but the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. You ought to claim that for yourself today. Amen. Isaiah is telling us that, hey, here at the end, for the people of this world, it's going to get darker and darker. But for the people of God, it's going to get brighter and brighter. Arise and shine, for thy light has come. Someone say amen today. 
Amen. The glory of the Lord is shining on the people of God. And so there's no shame if you're living for him. There's no regrets if you want to live for him. And number three, no giving up. No giving up. Amen. That reminds me of a story my dad always tells. He he worked with this guy back in the day. And this guy didn't seem like he was rich, but he told my dad, he's like, man, you, whether you believe it or not, I'm already working on my second million. And my dad's like, what? You've already made a million? He's like, no, I gave up on the first million. I'm just going to work on my second million over here. <laughs> okay, I guess you could, you know, put it that way. But, you know, if you're going to serve God, man, don't give up. When you have a cause and a purpose that you believe in, nothing will hold you back. Who in here that you could say that you've had a goal or a cause that you were working for in your life and you didn't stop until you accomplished that? Nobody in this church has ever had goals? I'm pretty sure we preached on this like three weeks ago. Okay, listen, no, you've had a goal. You had something you wanted. Maybe you were saving up for it. Maybe whatever it was, there was something you wanted. You would not quit until it happened. And that's awesome, man. I love people that have, you know, vision and goals and tenacity like that. And that's cool, man. But what's even greater is when you believe in and you have a cause that you're fighting for. And that cause is getting the gospel to lost people, to bringing hope to the hopeless, healing to the broken, man. When when this is your cause and you won't stop at anything until you begin to fulfill God's call, man, I love people like that. And so, you know, I know some people, like, they would fight for their sports team to the death, right? You, you, you make fun of their team, like, they'll come at you. <clears throat> Raiders fans, you know, you just don't want to mess with them. They're like, woo, you don't say nothing. All right. <laughs> No, I don't, I don't mess with Raiders fans. I value my life more than that, I'll tell you that, all right? It's one thing I love about the Cowboys fans. They're the best fans because, you know, I deal, I, I deal a lot of trash talk, but they just laugh it off, and I love that about you guys. So, very, anyway, but, no, really, there's some people like, wait, what'd you say about my team? Let's go. Dude, like, I wasn't talking about your mom. I was talking about the football team. Yet, those same people, those same people, they're fine, you making fun of their Lord and Savior, they're fine that people all around them are helpless, hopeless, dying, going to hell. That doesn't bother them. What bothers them and makes them angry is when somebody talks trash about their football team. Do we value our football team more than we value lost souls? Well, you made fun of my presidential candidate. Now it's on. (laughs) Really? Seriously? You value that more than lost souls? That's what ticks you off? There's a problem there, man. You've got the wrong priorities. You've got the wrong priorities. That, that's messed up. And so I want you to look one final thing here from Paul. Acts chapter 14. Acts chapter 14. We're talking about not giving up. So you got to have some convictions. You got to have some backbone. You gotta, you gotta have some fight on the inside of you for what you believe in. And Paul was a man that had a cause and he would do anything for it. Let's look at Acts chapter 14, 
verses 19 through 20. Acts chapter 14, 19 through 20. Are you still glad you came to church today? Amen. Acts chapter 14, verses 19 through 20. Amen. And so Paul, he had a cause that he believed in. And so in this story here, we've got Paul and Barnabas. Uh, they're preaching in Lystra and Derby, and they were having some success, uh, but it rubbed some people the wrong way. So let me tell you this now. Just because you start to have some, some, some success, not everybody's going to love you and support that, okay? If you're preaching the gospel, if you are reaching the lost, if you're actually doing something for other people, don't expect to win the popularity contest. Because it's going to make the devil mad, it's going to make religious, lukewarm Christians mad, and it's going to make worldly people mad. And so, Acts chapter 14, verses 19 through 20, it says, Then some Jews arrived from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowds to their side. They stoned Paul and dragged him out of town thinking he was dead, supposing he was dead. Each of the, I've read a bunch of translations of this. And, 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 and I mean, for all practical purposes, Paul was dead, okay? And, and why do I believe this? Well, I believe this because this group of Jews was very well seasoned at stoning people to death. And some of you, Paul was stoned. And some of you are like, praise God, I was stoned too. God delivered me, man. But no, <laughs> but listen, they knew what a dead man looked like. Do you understand that? And so if they drug him out of town, a bloody and bruised mess, and thought he was dead, he had to have been very, very close to being dead. Do you know what I'm saying here? And so they drag his lifeless body outside of town and just leave him there. But as the believers gathered around him, he got up and ran away. No, he went right back into town. Do you see that today? <laughs> this story gets me. He's laying there virtually dead. The believers gather around. I mean, imagine you open your eyes and there's just a circle of your friends standing there like, oh, wow, that was, that was, that was rough. That was, that was a beaten right there. That was bad. And, and then you open your eyes and you're like, oh. he gets up. He doesn't run off. He marches right back into town amongst the same people that just killed him. And then the next day he left with Barnabas for Derby and read the rest of the, they go and they start preaching the gospel at the next town. This is incredible because this could have stopped a lot of people. They could have said, you know what? This is not what I signed up for. I signed up to preach. I signed up to love people. They hate me. They did this to me. I'm done. But he didn't. Why? He believed in his cause Paul would not quit. And I don't mean it mean, but I know so many people like, I shared a Bible verse on Facebook and my uncle said that that's stupid. I'm never doing that again, ever. You're going to have to have a little bit more <clears throat> on the inside of you. I, I prayed for my lunch over there at Fort Irwin and the boys said I looked stupid and I don't know. And I just, I'm not, I'm going to keep it to myself now. Faith is a private matter. No, it's not. Stand up for what you believe in. Uh, 2 Corinthians 3, all who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. I, I, 2 Timothy 3, if I didn't say that right. 
all who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Man, if you're living for God, you're going to get a little pushback. Don't quit, though. If your people make fun of your football team and you don't quit on them. They make fun of your political party. They make fun of your other weird things. And you just, you just dig your heels in even more. No, I'm really going to watch more games. No, I'm really going to wear more gear. No, I'm really going to do this. Let it be the same way with God. The more trash that they give you, the more you dig your heels. Oh, no. No, I'm really going to do it. No, I'm really going to live for God. Amen. That's the type of grit that it's going to take to bring in the harvest that God has called us to bring in. Because I know this, that someday I'm going to stand before God. Have you learned that yet? That we're all going to stand before God and give an account for our life. And if you uh, were not, if you never received Jesus, or if maybe you did, but you walked away, you go to a place called the Great White Throne of Judgment. That's where everybody that's not getting into heaven will stand before God and try to argue their case on why they should get into heaven. You won't win. You can't out-argue God and prove that you belong there. Uh, it's only through Jesus. And, and then the rest of us will stand at the judgment seat of Christ where this means, hey, we're going to heaven. Now I'm going to talk to God about the life that I lived here on earth. Did I do what he told me to do? Did I, you know, obey? Did I keep my word on the promises I made to him? But I know that there is a judgment day. And I don't want to stand there face to face with God and have any regrets any shame, and I certainly do not want to say, you know what, God, I quit. I just, I understand things got tough, things weren't going my way, so I quit, and I shouldn't have done that. I don't want to be a quitter. This last verse, write it down, Romans 14, 12, last verse, Romans 14, 12, it tells us this, yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. Each of us will give a personal account to God for our life someday. And so you're worried about somebody else's life. Well, guess what? You're not giving an account for their life. You're giving an account for your life. Yeah, but if my husband would just do this and blah, 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 blah. Okay, pray for the man, okay? We're all praying for him. What else can we do? I don't know. <laughs> pray for him, right? But in the end... You're not going to get to heaven and God's going to say, hey, I want to talk to you. Why did he never obey me? Well, you're, I don't know. That's between him and God. God's going to talk to you and say, hey, you know, what's up? What's going on? Why this? Why that? But we all give a personal account to God for our lives. And that's something that when you get that reality, that starts to do something on the inside of you. And, and so I want you to get this revelation today that your face has got to be set as a stone determined to do the will of God. No shame, no regrets, no quitting, giving it all to Jesus because the time is very, very short. And I'm challenging you today, if God is speaking to your heart about something, listen. If God's saying, hey, man, I've been talking to you about this, what are we going to do? Or maybe uh, God's saying, hey, remember you made that promise? Are we still good for that? Or where are we at with that? Now's the time to look and say, you know what, God? Yeah, I made it. I'm going to keep it. I want to talk to you about that. But let today be a day that you talk to God and start 
getting where you need to be. Amen. Today's Communion Sunday. I'd like us to stand up together. Amen. Let's stand up this morning. Today's Communion Sunday. And here's the thing. We want everybody to receive communion with us. Um, to receive communion here, you don't have to be a member of High Desert Word Center, but you do have to be a member of the body of Christ. You do have to have Jesus in your heart. And what we want to do uh, before we move anywhere else today with this, we want to give you the chance to receive Jesus into your life. And we just read that verse right there that we're all going to give an account to God someday for our life. And I want that to be a pleasant conversation. I don't want that to, I don't want that to be a rough one. I want that to be a good conversation. And so we're going to pray together today. And this is an absolutely incredible opportunity for you to get things right with God. And, and maybe you're here and, and you did at one point live for the Lord. Well, perhaps you kind of walked away. Well, we're not here to, to cast stones at you or cast judgment upon you. We're just here to say, hey, let's fix it. Let's, let's, let's get things right with God again. Let, let's, let's make this happen today. Today is the day of salvation for you. Amen. Today's the day to give things right to the Lord. And one of the you know, things that I just, it breaks my heart is people like, man, I, I get it. We do this every Sunday. I've been to church for 50 years and blah, blah, blah. Going to church is not what gets you to heaven, right? You should, if you're, if you're saved, you should go to church. I believe in this strongly. But I also know that some people like, I go to church, okay? My grandma, hello, she was a teacher in Sunday school. Good for grandma. What about you? Now, my dad, he was a good man. Good for dad. What about you? Well, blah, 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 blah. You will give a personal account to God for your life. You have to make a personal decision about Jesus. Let's pray together today. And, uh, and, and I, I want you to pray this prayer with us because this is the best chance. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes today. So let's say this together. Father, in Jesus' name. I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe that he died, that he rose again. Jesus, forgive me for any wrong I've done. Give me the strength to live for you. My life is yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Can we give God some praise today? Amen. Is Jose here? Okay, there's Jose, sorry. Hey, this is Jose. He's in charge of our spiritual personal trainer program. And if you prayed that prayer today, and you meant it, okay? We don't just want you to say a prayer and walk out the door and we, you know, you're on your own, good luck, hope you make it. No, we have a program called Spiritual Personal Trainer where if you're interested in really, really giving your life to the Lord, we will connect you with somebody else from church here for the next 30 days to mentor you, disciple you. They're gonna text you some Bible verses and a prayer every day, a devotion. If you've got questions, if you need to talk, they're gonna be there for you. But we want you to make it. We want you to stick with Jesus. Here in a few minutes when we're praying for people, I want you to boldly, not ashamedly, come over to Jose and he'll get your information. We're gonna connect you with somebody. At this time, we're going to receive communion together today. And so we've got 
four ushers here. We're gonna make a line on both of these middle aisles. Come on down, get the elements. You can go back to your spots and remain standing, and then we'll receive communion together. Pastor Josh will lead us in worship. Let's go, let's get the communion. You have been faithful All my life You have been so So good With every breath That I am able I will see The good Paul said this, 2 Timothy 4, verse 7, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race, and I have remained faithful. Who knows that God's remained faithful to you? Amen. God's remained faithful to you. We know this. And I want to be able to stand before him and say, you were faithful to me, and Lord, I did my best to remain faithful for you. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. Now I stand before you. We're going to take a minute here as 1 Corinthians chapter 11 says. It says, let each person examine themselves or judge themselves uh, before they receive communion. And so this is a very important moment for you to judge your own life for just a minute. If God's dealing with you on something, if you need to repent of something and quit doing it, now's the time. If maybe you need to repent for not doing something that God's been telling you to do, Now's the time. Bottom line, examine yourself, not anybody else. This is you and God. Forget them. This is you and God. Judge you. And then in a minute, we'll receive communion. Amen.
1 Corinthians 11, and verse 23. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this to remember me. And so this morning we take this and we recognize that this represents the broken body of Jesus. He was beaten so we could be made whole. Thank you, Jesus. We receive this in remembrance of you today. In Jesus' name. same way he took the cup of wine after supper saying this cup is the new covenant between God and his people an agreement confirmed with my blood do this to remember me as often as you drink it and so we take this juice this morning and we understand that this represents the blood of Jesus that paid the price for our sins that made a way for a new covenant between God and his people Thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice. We remember you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice and your love. You are so good. Amen. Well, I'm going to have our prayer team come on up this morning. The ushers are coming to the aisles there. You can throw away your communion elements your cups. The ushers are coming, uh, the prayer team's coming up. If you're here and you need prayer for anything this morning, we want to be here with you. We want to stand in agreement uh, with you and watch the Lord work in your life. Uh, if you are one of those that said, hey, I, I'm really getting serious. I, I want a spiritual personal trainer. I want to serve God. Come see Jose. He's right here. He'll get your information and we will connect you with somebody this week. Amen. Pastor Josh is going to lead us in worship for just a few more minutes here. We ask that if you don't need prayer, stick with us. Give God five more minutes today, and then you can be dismissed. Amen. Let's go. Love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me. All my days, I've been held in your hand. Moment that I wake up until I lay my head, I will see of the goodness of God. Now, all my life, you have been faithful. Now, all my life, you have been so. So good with every breath that I am able, I will see of the goodness of God. I love your voice, you have led me through the fire in darkest night. You are close like no other. I've known you as a father. I've known you as a friend. 
you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will see of the goodness of God. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid now, I'm surrendered now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, I'm surrendered now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. But all my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am able I will see of the goodness of God Amen, alright, well we're going to go ahead and start winding things down there today Did anybody receive from the Word of God this morning? Amen. The Lord is good. Amen. Take this to heart, man. You're serving Him. Your face is set like a stone, determined to do His will. And we are bringing in the harvest. Hallelujah. Hey, Robert wanted me to... uh, Uh, If you are interested at all in playing softball, uh, Robert wants to meet with you after church. Amen. So uh, for years, the the city, we had a church softball league amongst the different churches. And that kind of didn't, after COVID, that hasn't happened. But Robert's like, hey, we got enough people to do our own thing. So he's going to, he's interested. He wants to gauge your interest level. Uh, If you have any interest, it's all fun, men, women, okay, it's co-ed. If you got any interest in playing some softball, ball. Uh, go see Robert. He's right there, the handsome young man. Uh, there's two handsome young men there, but it's the one on the left, okay? And so uh, go see Robert, and uh, he'll see where we're at, see who all's interested. Amen. Let's go ahead and close in prayer, and then we'll do our Barstow Faith Confession. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for what we've seen in the Word of God today. And Lord, just like the Apostle Paul, just like Isaiah, Lord, we want to be able to tell you that we stayed faithful. We fought the good fight. We finished the course. Amen. And we remained faithful. Lord, we want to be used by you in 2024. And so in the name of Jesus, I pray that we're listening and we're obeying what you're telling us to do. We're keeping our promises to you, Lord. Thank you for your goodness. Let us be the light of the world this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. All right. Well, remember that we have service tonight at 6 o'clock. It's going to be great. So come back tonight at 6. Let's say our Barstow Faith Confession today. 
We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we will see you tonight. Amen.